Hello and welcome to the Xenothesis podcast. In this episode, episode 66, we're covering chapters 5 and 6 from part 3 Imago of book 3 Imago, the Xenogenesis trilogy by Octavia E. Butler. My name is Richard Acton, and I'm joined, as always, on this um, nearly vertical precipice by my co-host. Michael Glinka. Hi, everyone. Yeah, we're doing some climbing up towards the finale of the book. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Yep, we got some uh, interesting to see uh, a little bit of Hezusa in, in in her element, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, so absolutely, and you know, it's interesting to see how all of uh, all of our protagonists will fare in the unknown so far village of humans that actually still can reproduce. So uh, this is the mm. thing; like, it's been now generations because more than a hundred years have passed since the. Um, fate of uh, of uh, of Lilith you know, from book one uh, so the question is now how, how long when did it start actually like did it start straight off straight away did there were there some humans still on earth when the Onkali were rummaging around or I wonder what was the when when did they start that village actually exactly that's a good point I mean I, I think it would be what well over 350 years since the actual war like I nuclear did. war yeah with, yeah and i think i mean based on the number of generations and the potential age at which people the people were reproducing i think it's, it could probably be just since the humans were reseeded rather than it, the, having, them having been there originally or the other way around actually Don't i know. mean because oh. the reason why is um well the thing is, they do mention that earlier. They were mentioning about the, the elders that you know, um, I, I f found them. I don't know. It's just the fact that you know, it just happened. I, I there might be after the the receding the earth with humans by Don Cali because you know they were talking mm -hmm. about the elders that look younger than you know some of the you know children childrens etc. So indeed yeah i think that's the uh, more likely it is that they've just been here since the reseeding and it's just that we have relatively short generation times in the last hundred mm. years or so yeah, yeah um that i think fits a little better uh, i guess so mm. well let's get to my chapter five prediction then mm -hmm. so obviously uh i was thinking you know the four of them so jesus thomas um Jodas and uh, Aero would be traveling to the village and the good old Octavia style is definitely not going to be without any hiccups. The question was, I wasn't sure about the hiccups in here. I suspected mm -hmm. probably either they will meet some resistance on the way or maybe actual the village members, but I was counting probably more on the um, resistors just by accident, you know, by chance uh, spotting mm -hmm. them, but hmm, wasn't certain, honestly wasn't certain here. Yeah, and we don't really run into anyone particularly in the first uh, section here, do we? I think chapter five, there's some distant humans. Yeah. Uh, but, but no one uh, actually crosses paths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it was a bit too early for that prediction, I guess. <laughs> yeah, getting them exactly when is... is uh, yeah, is, than, than, than you know, that's all. That's like, like we said a long time ago, I think. You know, I don't know, it was maybe in book two is like you're getting prediction it's, it's no it's 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 fine mm. it's the timing that's important <laughs> <laughs> yep it's always hard to tell exactly uh which which part the uh 
the next catastrophe is going to crop up in. <laughs> exactly. Well then, let's begin with the chapter 5 summary. Sure. So the chapter starts with the passage of time and descriptions of the changes in the environment. We start from the deep forest to nearly vertical cliffs. Um, and you know, Thomas and Jesus were back in their home. Jesus was, as described by Thomas, part lizard. She was so versed in climbing vertical surfaces, it was crazy. He has seen her go up a naked rock. Obviously, that freaked out Jodas and Aero. Uh, but no, but she never fell, and she guided uh, and made path for all of them. Yeah, which uh, was a, a bit a bit different from seeing Tomas and Jesus in, in the kind of lowlands, right? They oh, absolutely. Were, they were kind of struggling a bit when we found them in the jungle, but uh, it seems like on the the hillside here in the, the sort of slightly higher altitude region, they're a bit more at home. Yes, in their own, like, you know, in their own environment. But it's, it's crazy, you know, like, that the fact that you learn in that, uh, in how to survive in such an environment. And it, for outsiders like Jodas and Nair, it just looks terrifying to, to mm. see a human, like, without any sec- security to just, you know, walk up, uh, you know, nearly naked rock. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember the. Uh, I can't. I think it might have been a David Attenborough program or something like that, where there's a, a bunch of people who, like, uh, climb up this massive overhanging cliff face on mm-hmm. these like sketchy looking ropes and and ladders to harvest massive honeycombs from these like, ah. gargantuan killer bees. Yes, <laughs> yes, and also <laughs> I remember. Isn't that honey also hallucinogenic? I think it might be something like that as well. There's, yeah. yeah, there's some extra extra uh, value to the honey, yes. shall we say? <laughs> yes, I I also I remember seeing that as well. It's it's absolutely crazy, and I think it's the reason why they get the honey is because of the hallucinogenic properties. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it, it's it's good just for the sugar, but if you've got hallucinogens on top of that, then you know I suppose bonus, right? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> you know you don't feel the stings afterwards. I guess you know. <laughs> helps to overcome a different type of painkiller indeed yeah but it's, it's that kind of thing right and there's there's quite a lot of examples of that from you know various like kind of oh, remote yeah. tribal cultures where they're like they do these insane things that would get an outsider killed if they tried it on the first run oh right? absolutely <laughs> but you know they've got a, a yeah. tradition that works for it i have an example in the tribe in amazon forest i think it was amazon forest where they use these poisonous frogs and oh, yeah. the, the poison, and they basically, you know, make scars on their bodies, right? With the, like, the poison, get, build up the resistance. And Golites, like, some of those people, the, one of the, some of the tribal members, they have, like, hundreds upon hundreds of scars on their bodies mm-hmm. for, like, those little dots, um, from that, you know, from that ritual, from those rituals. And it's just like, wow. Try to do it, yeah. you know. Like, if I did it, they'd be dead straight away without the resistance they build up. Mm. So it makes you always think about like the 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 first few people who tried this. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like some people definitely died. Absolutely, no, no. Uh, let's salute all of those who died for in you know as a stepping stone for us to all of us to survive. <laughs> Hmm. Getting just slightly out of your element there can be uh, enough to really throw you there. That's enough. oh, absolutely. Uh, the the specificity of the lessons learned is is quite extreme. So oh yeah, <laughs> easy to be uh, uh, un- unseated. Absolutely. Yeah. 
but yeah, continuing on, um, at some point we have a small interlude where Thomas and Jesus went and caught a fish, fish for a meal. At that time, Jodas and Aero split themselves away from them, and Jodas had to listen to Aero complain how could they do that, i.e. hunt and kill a fish, especially when they do not need it anymore for nutrition. Jodas explained, though, it was to preserve what a little control they have left, the little independence they had remaining. Hmm. Or even... Uh like a a symbol of the possibility of independence when they don't even really have any it was uh, yeah. perhaps even yeah. more extreme than that, than preserving what little independence they have left yeah it's a bit of a uh, yeah kind of a gesture towards retaining an independent yeah, aspect absolutely. of culture and then um you know Aor is describing that as a, an expression of the human conflict the internal contradiction of the humans which yeah i guess it's i think also references to jodas that he that it understands what they're like thinking right so it it, it gets it it gets them right it's normal and Kali mm. are like they would be staring but Jodas gets them yeah it seems as though he's kind of internalized their reasoning so even if he doesn't like agree he at least understands or it rather it, it at least understands rather uh, a or despite having been quite closely um bonded with the, mm. the two humans it's yeah. not yet um it's not the full bond right it would absorbed and, that yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. Uh, not had the same degree of intimacy with them as it might have done with some other human mates absolutely so as the conversation continued suddenly air spotted humans not far from them jealous missed them because it seemed more relaxed whereas air was honed in like a missile on the human targets it seemed that there were four humans and they were walking away from them they got something and they were planning to eat it they needed to be careful. Jodas mentioned that it's better not to get shot. It was painful and pro- it would probably handle the pain easier this time, but they did not want to experience it again. Well, that being said, they started going back to the camp because Thomas and Jesus had finished eating the fish. On the way, uh, Aero mentioned that Nikanj couldn't find any flaw in them except for needing them made so early. Um, <laughs> One quick um, thing on. just to follow up on the fish before we yeah, leave yeah. that entirely. Um, the after they'd eaten the fish, the the two Uloi wouldn't like sleep close to them. Oh yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, there was that. Like, yeah, no, they've done like the the equivalent of microwaving the fish in the office microwave. Oh, God, yes, <laughs> yes. Like no, they smell of dead fish. We're not going anywhere near them. So, so even the <laughs> even their like imperative to be with them is overridden by the yeah, you killed the fish. <laughs> absolutely which is kind of funny uh but yeah absolutely like in here like you know um air that conversation air you know talking about nikanj couldn't find any flux for that accelerated or enhanced needing of the mates needing not wanting as you mentioned here in the notes right so it's mm-hmm. it, it's just crazy we've noticed this be ourselves that you know this is this is definitely much more much more enhanced much faster like the second uh, metamorphosis compared to the normal onkali and it seems that nikanja also noticed this yeah it's something we've been commenting on for the last couple episodes i think is that this seems more acute yes for these construct uloi than it does for or um or we suspect it was more acute for these construct uloi than it was for the other uloi yep. based on you know, the, the way they seem to be experiencing it uh without having had a, a necessarily a direct experience of this at least something with with this sort of analogy i suppose we had nikanj's 
second metamorphosis. Yes. But it already had its mates lined up, as it were. So we didn't really have a, a reference unmixed Oankali Uloi second metamorphosis without mates as a comparison point, right? True, um, true, absolutely. But it did, it did seem like it was more extreme than we would have suspected given how it went down with Nikanj. And now we have kind of an explicit textual confirmation of that um, where, you know, yeah, it is actually significantly more acute. I thought mm. there was a bit of a bit of an irony there in that, yeah, you know, and as we'll see in, in um, the rest of this chapter and, and the, the next one, that they're sort of more compelled, uh, as we have been seeing, uh, more compelled to take on human mates than the uh, the other Oankali are. So they know they're more human, and yet they're behaving in a more kind of predatory fashion towards oh, humans than uh, even the uh, the ordinary Oankali might. Um, no, you're absolutely right which, with that. It's yeah. it's very it's very clear, especially you know different humans that um, Jodas met, and it's like absolute desire and then changing of the body to match the preferences of that person. You know, it all mm-hmm. matches exactly what you're saying. It's 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 really ironic that they're much more predatory comp- and yet more human. But I guess it is mm. in human nature to be more predatory. So. Yeah, maybe that's a uh, that's a part of it. Yep. And we see it also in, um, in in Lilith and Tino's reactions to the, the behavior of uh, both Jodas and, and Eor. Uh, they're, they're kind of you know Lilith was very disapproving of Eor's kind of not Eor of, of uh, Jodas's sort of strong arm tactics and the potential for what Eor might get up to. So it's yeah yeah uh, uncomfortable for them as well. Yeah. So yeah, they continue conversation on on why the need uh, for the needing of the mates as well, and 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 why did they focus on humans so much? And you're asked if Jodas wanted other mates, and it said that it wanted Onkali to balance the parts that make it. Eor couldn't answer this question because he didn't know if it will survive, because their days it feels like it will dissolve. Two days later, Thomas and Jesusa asked to get their mass marks of their genetic disorder back. They were crawling up in the trail and could sense more and more humans. Thomas told Aerod and Jodas that the more human they make themselves look, the better, but Aerod was already struggling as it was with its form. Jesusa was worried about what may happen. If they were caught, then both Thomas and Jesusa would be married to someone very quickly. She asked what would happen if someone tried to have sex with her, and Jodas told her that she would fight until someone gets hurt, or killed, in fact. Mm, yeah. So we've got that... Uh sort of uh, additional um, component of, of them having been mated to the uh, the Uloi that oh, they absolutely. will have you know, stronger responses than even they might ordinarily have had from yeah. being forced into this. Exert more strength than fighting someone, you know, physically mm. you find repulsive because of Don Kali's um, influence. Mm. But yeah, the hunters were men, um, but just ask what, would bring women out from the protection of the settlement. Thomas smiled and said they would meet with those who they love, not to, uh, not who they were told to marry. Here's a uh, quote from the book. I knew humans did such things. Marry here and mate there and there and there. There was nothing human biology to prevent this. In fact, human biology encouraged male humans to have liaisons with more than one female. The male investments of time and energy in fathering children was much smaller than the females. Okay. I guess. Oh, so there's there's some interesting um, dynamics there, right? Because, as they say, it takes two to tango. Yeah. Um, And 
it doesn't work if there's an as- if there's an asymmetry in um, sort of a, a male interest in um, having other partners and a, not a female interest in having other partners, which is something that we kind of miss out mm. a little bit on. Um, in that, uh, so in, in many other species where there's a certain degree of um, infidelity from a kind of primary monogamous pairing, um, things like um, sperm competition are quite common yes. in birds for example, where like a female bird might mate with many males, but then there's competition among the sperm um, to get to the egg. Um, and there's potentially similar dynamics, if not exactly sperm competition, going on in the human context in that there's a the sort of primary value might not necessarily be uh, in like immediate genetic quality of the mate per se, but something that's more more readily uh, externally gauged, but rather stuff that's more behavioral, right? Um, mm. Plus the the asymmetry of the investment in offspring in human couples is not typically that high in the long run, right? There's an asymmetry in the like conceptual bit, uh, as in the conception. But mm-hmm. there's all the early phases resource investment, but in the lifetime of the individual, it's less asymmetric in humans than in many other species, right? In order to raise a human child, they're very expensive, so there's, yes. there's a high degree of male investment later in in the life of the, the the kids beyond the initial gestation, right? So it's there's reasons why females might seek out other male partners as a way of a selecting for genetic quality among potential partners who they might have kids with, but B also um, uh, for the long term commitment. Yes, exploring the, the possibility of long term commitment. There's also concepts like mate insurance, making sure that if you lose your primary mate, you have a good backup, mm-hmm. um, and um, also just sort of a uh, uh, and, and that that's sort of the um, long term investment thing might well be a. a uh, um, how to phrase this my, my brain's a bit slow today I have a cold so I'm, I'm maybe umming and ahhing more than usual <laughs> um, the um, uh, it's sort of the, like I have other options kind of thing right it's a bargaining yeah, yeah. chip yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in resource investment that's the a way of phrasing it no. but the thing is though the um, it's hard compared to other species because it really depends on how the evolution took us right because for example there are species uh, correct me if i'm wrong but i think penguins make mates for life mm-hmm. um there's still some infidelity in penguins but yeah i mean one of the other th- questions is um i mean there's infidel- infidelity the, everywhere to be honest if you think about it but it's just the fact that you know, i mean there are there are some species that are more monogamous than humans um um, so one of the things you can look at for uh, as a sort of straightforward biological correlate mm-hmm. of the degree of monogamy is actually male testes size, um, and the on the sort of like degree of monogamy mm-hmm. uh, is um, the more monogamous you are, the smaller the testicles you need, right? Yeah, um, and and humans are kind of on the um, like we're, we're, 
if you, if you draw the spectrum and adjust for body size, we're, we're not quite in the monogamous range. We're sort of in the a little bit below monogamous. Uh, so you'd predict uh, a certain amount of infidelity in humans from, from male <laughs> testes size. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll look for the papers for the reference for this, and I'm sure I'm going to enjoy the reading of them. <laughs> yeah, that's a, uh, some some interesting stuff out there. But uh, yeah, that's there's some other uniqueness about humans is we're we're quite dependent on the um, cultural context as well, mm-hmm. right? There's so things like concern over non-paternity and whether like the the stakes for potentially like a, for for a, for a woman engaging in infidelity with a, with a, a non-primary partner uh, might be a lot higher in certain cultural contexts than others um, because it, you know, there's sort of higher weight placed on like the degree to which males exclusively invest in like their own very high confidence uh, children versus a more communal style of investment in the raising of offspring and stuff like that that could potentially influence the the game theory of um, paternal and maternal investment uh, yeah. differently. There's it's a lot of factors. I mean, with all of these topics, a lot of factors influence you know what sort of development, um, the you know the 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 you know, surroundings of development, the cultural development, the economical development. Mm-hmm um education stuff like that all of those in, in all those things influence how we the attitude of you know each individual so it's you no know, it's on the individual basis mm-hmm. based on the environment based on upbringing based on everything so yeah i mean a p- part of the the thing is like we'll, we'll there will have been multiple successful strategies to pursue in the ancestral environment because humans are very complicated yes <laughs> absolutely so you you could have played the game different ways uh which means there will be people who will be yeah. inclined to play the game particular ways yeah. in the modern context right absolutely um, and then you have all these interesting modifiers that where the modern world doesn't resemble the ancestral environment in certain ways like you know the existence of contraception yeah uh is is a big one um so yeah that, that, that complicates things still further <laughs> i mean you know we are humans we complicate things that you know already are complicated because that's the way we are even if we don't even realize that yeah, so we're we're specialist generalists, right? It's yeah. it's our it's the same thing with all of those cultural specifics that we mentioned yeah. earlier, right? We have these these niche cultural adaptations to like particularities of our environment, and the same thing is true. We have you know niche cultural adaptations to the particularities of our environment with respect to our mating and reproductive strategies as well, which very much complicates what's what are the biological um uh correlates of that right? yeah and it, there might be and indeed there probably are multiple s- semi-stable reproductive strategies wherein you'll kind of it won't be that there's one strategy that people follow but there will be several grooves that people are likely to fall into and then we'll kind of you know like might potentially um move between them right it, uh, so if you thought of it as like a a landscape with peaks and valleys people might have a you know, a deeper valley in one particular location where they're likely to end up falling into that form or that yeah. approach, that particular strategy. But different contexts might cause them to jump into a different uh, uh, a different local minimum. Yeah. Um, but then it might be that, uh, you know, it's not necessarily a smoothly continuous strategy between all of them, right? It, it, there are 
um, like the behavioral repertoire will probably come in clusters is yes. effectively what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. Because they'll be complementary for a particular strategy. Absolutely. So yeah. Um, they, you know, in, in the, in the tribes here, they met, um, uh, and they did it all that either because of love or because of temporary aff- attraction. Jodas thought that it would be good if they find a pair of humans for Aero at the time, because this was this way there would be a mutual attraction between the humans already present. I was originally thought that to bring people, uh, people Thomas and she were supposed to marry, but they also were siblings, so they thought it might not work. The chapter ends here with Thomas saying to Jodas to change him and who's back to how they looked originally. Uh, meaning with the tumors, and they would bring them in the place where the people met the next day. But the next night, they were spotted. In true Octavia mm. Butler style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, that little uh, final sentence with the um, I don't know, next they were spotted thing. I, I don't, I don't, do we get that many kind of that explicit cliffhangers? No, <laughs> no. That was a, yeah, that's a, an unusually cliffhangery chapter ending, this one. Yeah, I think she was just like, yeah, what did you expect? <laughs> yeah, so at this point, you should know. <laughs> you should know, know better now, reader. <laughs> dropping the pretense. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, at this point, she's just completely dropping all the pretenses. Just like, if you by now don't understand me, I mean, why are you reading this book? <laughs> so, yeah. Let's get so, to my chapter six prediction. Uh, yes. So obviously, of course, they were spotted. No, Octavia. Well, as things go, I thought before Jodas can even change the siblings, I thought they were before even they get changed. I thought they they will get spotted and surrounded, and faced with guns, they will you know be taken to the village, and then you know things will get hairy very fast. But no, actually, they they did get changed ahead of time. You know, in in time, and you know it was a bit later that they get caught but like i generally thought mm. that they were like oh Joda's doing something and then suddenly they get surrounded and they're like this weird thing is doing something to jesus and thomas and shoot them right the type of situation mm. yeah they, they kind of get away with it right it's uh, not quite how they planned but it sort of ends up uh roughly working out so they weren't really they didn't really want um, Thomas and Jesus to actually get like captured per se, but they were sort of planning on doing a bit of infiltration, just not like the whole village. Yeah, ideally. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, let's get to chapter six then. Um, they actually didn't know they were spotted as they rounded the final bend before the village. They saw crops grown on terraces. Corn, melons, potatoes, and things that they did not recognize at all. The Yashi in Jodas was craving for the new ge- new genetic material, whereas Air was focused like a hawk on the humans in the uh, in the village. Yeah, so that's the first time we've got kind of a, a first-hand experience of the um, adult Uloi Mature, hunger yeah. for new and novel genetic um, material. I wanted give me, yeah. yeah. Hmm. No, so they, they, they've exchanged one hunger for another. Right? So Aeor's still stuck on the needing mates step. Yes, and, <laughs> give me that booty. Uh, jo- Whereas Jodas has just graduated like, to uh, yeah. He, he, the post nut clarity, Jodas is. It's <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. allowing it to focus on the more elevated, you know, in the pyramid of skins of needs, you know, elevated thoughts. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose the the 
new genetic material uh, interest from the Yashi is uh, slightly higher on the uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs yeah. <laughs> equivalent as redrawn for, for Alankali biology. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, the scent of humans was growing strong and as they were walking, Ayer accidentally stood on a dry stick. The sharp snap of wood went wide into the darkness. They stopped by heard footsteps behind them. Jealous immediately whispered that they were being followed and Thomas guessed that it must have been the guards. Hazusa quickly told Jealous and Air to get away and hide. Here's a quote from the book. The guard meant to catch us against their mountains. We were trapped now. Really. If we ran to the river, we would have to go around them or go through them and probably be shot. There was nowhere for us to go except for up the sheer cliff. Or down like insects to hide in the thickest vegetation. We could not get away, but we could hide. And if the guard found Jesus and Thomas, perhaps they would not look for us. Jodas pulled air down and they tried to blend with the low vegetations. The humans passed on either side of where they were hiding because they couldn't see well in the darkness. Jesus and Thomas went further to pull them away from Don Cali. At some point, the guards caught up with Jesus and Thomas. They were sh- there, were, there were shouts, but eventually things calmed down after Jesus and Thomas introduced themselves. Jesus could see them from the distance and both looked li- back like they did before meeting uh, it. The construct was thinking what would happen to the siblings now? Would they get separated, imprisoned and questioned? Tomon was planning to say that they were caught in the resistor village and that he had to work while Hezusa was kept in the cage. Um, here's a, another quote from the book. Two, the two had been recognized now. There were no more hostile cries, only Hezusa's anguished, Hugo, please let me go. Please, I won't run away. I've just run all the way home. Hugo. The last word was a scream. He was touching her, this Hugo. She had known they would touch her. She had not known until now how difficult it would be to endure their touch. She could touch other females in comfort. Thomas could touch males. They would have to protect one another as best they could. Let her alone, Thomas said. He don't know what she's been through. He said, his voice said she had been, uh, his voice said she had already been released. He was only warning. Hmm. Yeah, so that, that, that's kind of more acute, the uh, like aversion to other males than uh, yeah. they were prepared for, perhaps. I'm Yeah, I'm pretty sure that, you know, and also the fact that, I mean, initially when I read this chapter, I did this, this paragraph, I thought that, you know, like, uh, you know, they were being held, right? And hmm. either like, you know, like, you know, uh, they're just surrounded and someone from behind would catch you around and you like, you know, surround, you know, wrap their arms around you and keep you in, uh, from running away. So initially I thought that uh, I had two thoughts. One, it was like just him hmm. just holding her was enough for her to like really have this aversive reaction. But at the same time, the way the Octavia uses he was touching her, I thought it meant like he was actually sexually touching her, like, you know, like, you know, hmm. uh, inappropriately. And I, I just, I, yeah. I wasn't sure how to actually read this chapter. It's a bit ambiguous on that point, I think. But I, I, I think it could also just be read as like, I don't know, he went up and like, you know, touched her shoulder or something yeah. in a way of like, is is this actually you kind of thing? Yes, you know, yes, the, yes. The, uh, 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 kind of welcoming back a, a, a missing member of the community type thing rather than a than anything inappropriate it could easily have just been uh like that end of the oh, touching absolutely. the spectrum yeah uh, and still having produced this this degree of like aversive reaction yeah so yeah i i generally didn't know how to i i think i i'm leaning towards what more towards what you said it was more of like you know just they just grabbed and then like you know oh my god is that you really you type of situation right and she's like 
just just let me go with you no know, type of the reaction because of the onkali pheromones in her body hmm. it would make a bit more sense for like the degree of surprise that she uh, seems to be experiencing yeah. in her, her, the magnitude of her own reaction as yeah. it were if it was a um know, not something that would normally cause a uh, a high high magnitude reaction yes yes yeah. So yeah, the conversation was getting nasty. People were questioning them, some suggesting that it would be better not to let them live. Some were suggesting to strip them there. Thomas, pissed off, told the guy named Hugo that who suggested that, that maybe he should also bring his sister and get her, her stripped by seven men. Jesus <laughs> mentioned a story about big yellow water jar that they, her and Hugo, used to hide in until they broke it and she got caught and she never told anyone that was he was with her. That seems to convince them that, you know, who they were that they convert their confirm their identities and take them up to the village um the mm. chapter ends here with uh, Jodas Nero following them and seeing that four out of seven gods were obviously distorted by the genetic uh disorder and uh, there was an interesting little line here in that the gods were like looking different enough from ordinary humans because of this that they would probably have just been shot on sight by the lowland resistors which is uh, quite <laughs> ironic another yeah. uh, another great irony here, yeah right? These are your, uh, you know, fertile, reproductive, oankali free human brethren, and yet... You would shoot nope. them. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they followed until there was a forest co- cover. Aero said to Jodas that they can't just, you know, wait in a cave and they need to get them out. Jodas argued that they should give them time, some time, but... Point one, Air was already feeling it like it was dissolving just by seeing them walk away. And two, it's better to go after them now since they are still in control and their bodies is not making them run blindly after the siblings. And that's where the chapter mm. ends. <laughs> yeah, so we've got uh, Aeor not in, a, in great shape, right? Kind of <laughs> still on the verge of dissolving, yep. not probably up to any kind of combat with the, uh, the humans. We've got Jodas going to be um you know jonesing for the presence of uh, uh tomas and jesusa pretty soon uh and similarly for 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 those two um, mm. so uh it's yeah, all but, around uh, not a great time for yeah. everyone i just feel like i imagine air like prancing around like back and forth like you know a a a predator cat you know like looking at its prey just like couldn't can't wait to like to get there but like in the same time almost dissolving because it's you know it's Hmm. biology is just messing around and there's a lot of kind of just general like any any like male human female uh uh, pair we can get our hands on right we can get a pair of humans any pair of humans to to give to a or then great i yeah it's, <laughs> it's 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 uh they've kind of dropped all pretense of like let's find some you know willing participants in this whole affair it's just no no the, anything the first suitable uh pair of humans we can get our hands on uh we will you know uh hand over to a or and honestly it uh, just feels like it's really weird like can you imagine the situation you're like you see you're like in this you know f- let's say in this forest right and you're like you know let's say mm. there's a beautiful moonlight groove and you meet with like uh with your the person you, you know interested in whether male or female and they're like uh you know like these things are getting heated up and suddenly you see 
members of your village you haven't seen in a long time come out and you're like oh hi and they're like what are you doing here and like you know you just and then suddenly like oh we have someone to introduce you and you see like air come out with like salivating looking at those humans just like <laughs> hi <laughs> just like uh, just sal- yeah. saliva coming out of his mouth it's just like oh yeah <laughs> It feels like the introduction to some kind of like cross between a really bad adult movie and like a horror film. <laughs> yes, basically. <laughs> like basically a scary movie type of like horror slash comedy type of situation here. Oh dear. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're uh, yeah we're just gonna go and like assault and you know, mind control some humans. Um, basically. And we're we're. You know, Damn with that plan, uh, but at the same time now we've got uh, uh, Tomas and Hasusa just uh, stuck um, uh, at the other end of this inquisition of like where have you been for the last however long they've been gone exactly, uh, and the associated suspicion with having been away from the village and potentially under the influence of outside forces. Oh, absolutely, it's not gonna go great. So I guess let's go to my chapter seven prediction for this. Um, Sure. So obviously, I thought Chodas and Nair will not be able to stop themselves and will f- have to follow the group because, you know, that's what Onkali do. And that's what will bring chaos and mis- misery into the situation. And just basically thought that, I don't know, I just, in a way, I thought maybe they will go to the village, but in a like a roundabout way. I mean, that would be smarter to, to do. Like, still, Jodas being the same one, it would try to take Ayo around to observe the village and maybe be able to um, spot where Thomas and uh, Jesus are from a distance. I don't know. I'm not sure. But I knew. I know that I'm certain at this point that at some mm-hmm. point there's going to be a Onkali meeting the humans and mm-hmm. things going to be really bad. Yeah, it doesn't feel like there's a straightforward way out of this situation. Right? No, the, no. The Uloi here are substantially outnumbered and also out of time like running out of time because the moment the country comes back to and the rest of the family comes back to low law will yeah. be it will law will inform the uh mothership to mm-hmm. that oh there is actually humans that are uh, fertile on the earth and then that basically will send like a bombardment of fleshy meteorites down in that area <laughs> Uh, full of Onkali that will be like, give me, give me, give me. A human after midnight type of situation. <laughs> and, you know, that's what's going to happen, right? Like, so it's literally uh, like between a hammer and an anvil. So do you, do you think we might see that eventuality? I think the... I think it might be the case that maybe not yet, but I feel like that might be the case in long term, like probably one of the last chapters in this part is that as, you know... Ayer maybe mm. manages to meet some humans. Suddenly, you see these like meteorites of flesh just falling down the sky, and there's like Onkali, you know, like dropping commando styles, like you know, <laughs> like uh, okay, like yeah. in Aladdin, so some, the uh... animated Aladdin Disney, like you know, when um two when Genie suddenly like this like you know setting up security, like co- copying himself as a commando is just yeah, basically type of situation, <laughs> and just more and more Onkali surrounding these humans. Okay, so sort of Owen Carly dropships. Basically, style. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where they come in from orbit and uh, uh, go all SWAT team on the uh, rogue humans. Basically, yeah. No. But that's okay. probably towards the end of the book, at the end of the book. Not now. Right, so not yet. Not yet. Mm-hmm. Well then, is that yeah. everything for today, Richard? 
I think so, yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, we are Xenothesis. You can find all the places we up- upload our podcast on xenothesis.com. I was Michael Glinka. And I was Richard Jackson. Goodbye. Goodbye.